Hello, everyone, and welcome to the season finale of Bridging the Gap. I'm your host, SET, and I hope that you're doing well wherever you're listening from. On Bridging the Gap, I speak with brilliant artists to learn more about them, the process behind their craft, and their personal journeys in their chosen field. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with a singer-songwriter that I have long admired. She's an innovator with an extremely thorough approach to her music, marketing, and the experiences she provides for her fans. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very happy to have the pan-African rock star herself, Lady Donnelly, on the show. Thank you for joining me today. Blessings, SCT. Thank you for having me. I'm super honored to be here on your season finale. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for such a brilliant introduction as well. No, it's it's my pleasure for real. It's funny because I actually, when I first had this idea for the podcast, you were like the first artist that I even wanted to interview. So you were supposed to be the season opener, but I think it's worked <laughs> out even better that you're the season finale. So I'm, I'm glad that you were able to come on the show. Let's go. All right, let's get into it. So I'm not even sure how many people know this, but you started out wanting to be a rapper. What do you remember All about right. <laughs> what do you remember about your beginning stages as an artist and writing your first records? Um, the thing is, right, every time people like interview me or talk to me, they ask me this question about like how I started music or how like I started approaching it. But for me, like music was always like this thing like walking or like talking. It was just always an instrumental part of my life and when I was growing up my brothers my brother had this label in Kaduna and they used to like bring home cassettes and like he had artists that he'd sign so like rap was an important part of my life growing up and I just wanted to emulate like what I was seeing these guys do so I would write rhymes and like, I was like, okay, I'm not a bad rapper because I was already writing poetry and just kind of like changing it into like rap. And then I always kind of knew I could sing as well. Um, but like, I really was trying to be a rapper. <laughs> so I'd write rhymes and then maybe like I would like sing the hook. And then my brother took me to the studio properly for the first time. Um, this is when I was still in like secondary school and like I recorded um, a song or two and then I took it back to school and like they used to like just play it in the hostel all the time and I guess that's what really started my journey into like recording actual music because like when I was done with high school then I made songs like Mr. Creeper which was like one of my like most um, popular songs in that year like when I first came out when I was like 17 or something like I was just about to go to university um and I guess that's really the proper beginning of like my life as a recording artist um but before then like I always felt fundamentally like I was an artist like I always knew that this was what I wanted to do it never felt like it was going to be anything else other than music okay that's that's real I know that there was a lot of music in your household because like you said of your brother and um I know you've spoken before just generally like about how your dad used to play a lot of music as well so you're just getting influences from all sorts of different musical artists 
and getting influence from other types of Nigerian music that might not have been like the popular music at the time, but still important traditional sounds. Yeah, I think honestly, um, growing up, like my dad used to play a lot of music um, on his own, like it's mostly like the reggae, gospel stuff. And then my brothers, my brothers were super influential because I'm the last child. Like I have five siblings, like four brothers and sister. And obviously, like when I was little, they were like teenagers, like young adults. And that's like when music is really heavy in your life. So they would like bring home cassettes, you know. And I was just really exposed to so many different sounds, especially hip hop. Um, and then when I would go to my village in Zaria, like also like the specific type of music that they would sing in church as well, and the sounds they would use, and like local instrumentation, um, just always really intrigued me because even when I was younger, like I really liked music. So like any spaces I would go where they would just like sound, I would be really interested in like why that sound was or like why that sound seemed to be. Um, so yeah, like early childhood really like um, fundamental and shaping the artist that I am now because I don't think I'm ever like one dimensional in terms of I have like projects that I started on making or like soul projects, R&B projects and then like I had like my debut album in Jerk Life which is like a really Afrocentric themed album but like if you listen carefully you can still find my influences within this and like listen to a song like Answers and see that you know like I have a hip hop background you can listen to like never ending and see like maybe like highlight influences you can listen to take me home and still like see like r&b influences i feel like um yeah so like i really just take and i'm like a sponge in that sense where like once i kind of like like the genre or like you know have energy towards it i'm just gonna see how like i can infuse it in what i'm doing and where i'm at i really love your approach to just sort of blending all the influences because I have noticed on across your many projects how you are always experimenting with different genres and different sounds and tweaking things and mixing things that you might not traditionally hear and I think you've also been really important in highlighting just the array of sounds from Nigeria and Africa and how they can all sort of come together in in one project. But I want to go to Mr. Creeper, which you mentioned for a bit. So what is that? That's 2014 when you made that song? Yeah, yeah. I think like the first version I made was like maybe even like 2013. Because um, I remember I wrote that song in college, like A-level, but my first year of A-levels, something like that. Um, but I didn't get to like record it properly until like I was done the A-levels, so yeah, like, Right. Yeah. Okay. So, how did Sute get involved in the song? Um. So the thing is, uh, it's a funny story. So, I went over to Tay's house. Um, Tay and I have been like friends for a long time, and like I was kind of like telling him I was like I have this song, and I think like you produced it really well, and I like I sang the song for him. And then we had like a little session and started working on it. And then I went home. 
and um, I wanted to release this song like the following weekend or something like that. And these were times where releasing music was definitely like a SoundCloud thing. I wasn't worried about putting my music on like Apple. Like I didn't even know anything about these things. Like for me, dropping a song, dropping a song on SoundCloud. Um, um, there was a site we used to use before that, but I forgot some of the songs. But for me, yeah, that was just dropping music. So I messaged him like, oh, how far, how far the song, like is it done? He sent it to me and he's like, listen for a surprise. And I listened to the song and like Sufi has dropped a verse on it. Because obviously, you know, they're brothers and they play together and we all make music together. And Sufi has dropped a verse on it. I'm like, Sufi is just crazy. And like, just brought the song together. So it wasn't like we were in a session and I was like, oh, hop on it. He just like liked the song so much and he hopped on it. And oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, crazy, bro. Thank you. Did that give you like a confidence boost as an artist that he liked the song so much that he wanted to jump on it? Yeah, I was like really happy. I was like, damn, like he liked the song so much. But also, like, as I said, like we all have like a relationship. So it just really felt like community coming together to see me succeed in that way. And that felt really good. You know, like having Kay and like work on producing the song and to stay hopping on it and then like sending it to me and that whole energy just like. It made me feel like I, you know, I had something and made me feel like I had like a nice little community of people who had that back. So that was really a, a nice moment for me as an artist. Yeah, I can imagine. I feel like Tay and Sute are so important in the stories of a lot of artists. And I love how you also mentioned that to you, dropping music meant dropping it on SoundCloud because the three of you also were really big in pushing like that Nigerian SoundCloud space at the time. And yeah. there was a lot of music being dropped on SoundCloud from a lot of Nigerian artists that are quite big right now. But those yeah. early days, it was really beautiful because it was, it felt so organic and yeah. raw at the time. Yeah. It was it was really a special moment. I still remember the day I got my first one thousand plays on on SoundCloud from Mr. Creeper. Um, I was so excited. I had never experienced one thousand plays before, um, and like that was like honestly a really special moment for me. Like I remember like waking up and seeing the email like from SoundCloud like congratulations you have one thousand plays. I was like what? I have one thousand plays? Um, yeah, that was a good time. It didn't feel like there was pressure. It just felt like I was just sharing what I loved and people were engaging. Really special time. Yeah, definitely a special time. I still I still hold it dear to my heart just because of how yeah. how fun it was to just find new artists and new music all the time and everything flowed so organically. Yeah, it was beautiful. Like even just reaching out to artists via SoundCloud, um, DMing people like I think I even started working with Odunsi off of that um, in the first place because he'd been listening to my music on SoundCloud. And yeah, it was just a special time, honestly. Some days, like, I reminisce and I wish that I could get those times back because everything was just so free-flowing. You know, it wasn't about the numbers. It was just about kids connecting via this thing that they love so much, which was music. And um, these days, the, the older I get and the more complicated the business side of it gets, it just kind of loses the fun that it used to have. And honestly, I 
I cherish those days. <laughs> um, I really do. Yeah, I think the business side can affect so many different things and it does sort of sap the fun out of it, but it's good to still even be able to have those times to remember. And like the music's still there. I still go back and visit certain songs and certain projects. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a good time. So Wallflower was your first EP. Yeah. And yeah. I Wallflower was special to me because I remember I think when you rolled it out, you had artwork for every single track. Yeah, I did. And you announced track by track, like over the course of a day. And that's how you announced the track list. Yeah, I think. And so. <laughs> I remember just thinking, like, wow, this is so next level. There's been a lot of thought and intention into this. And I want to go, I guess, behind the scenes and talk about, first of all, how did Wallflower come together musically? And then how early on did you start thinking? rollout and how to announce this project to the world the thing is right i have little recollection about all of the things that i do if i'm being honest with you like when i think about like music and the projects that i have done because like before wallflower i listened to mixtape um title of a war and like then i released wallflower and then i released actually no then i released what is perfect another project then i this wallflower like and if i'm being honest with you i do not even remember like how all these things came together because a lot of time i was in uni like uh, when i released wallflower because that was like my final year of uni or something of the sort and i don't think i specifically knew that what i was doing was called a rollout you know I think I have just always had a creative touch when it comes to marketing. I feel like it's just, I've just been gifted at it. So when I was dropping that project, all I knew was like, oh, you know what would be cool? What would be cool would be to make individual cover arts um, of all the songs and just like have a way to like explain to people that this is what the song is about you know and then it can also jump into merchandise and stuff like that like I wasn't really thinking like too deeply about um you know that this is a rollout and this is what I wanted to do like for me back in those days all I thought was okay this would be cool this would be a way to engage people um and that's what I did and with Wallflower I just remember working on it for um, a couple of months and just like feeling really confident in it. It was the first project I had dropped where I actually started to understand and grasp my sound. Because when I think of all the projects beforehand, I was really making experimental music. And it's because, um, and like, I think this is one of my greatest problem is as an artist. My greatest problem is that I'm good at a lot of things, right? And I kind of then create this problem of like a master of none situation where, because like I'm good at experiments with a lot of music, 
it kind of becomes really hard for me to like hyper focus on one or two because then I'm like trying my hands at every single thing like my vocal dynamics I'm like okay I can do this raspy situation but I can also do the soulful thing and I can rap and I'm like oh shit I want to do all three of these things and also because I was young I wasn't really trying to figure out the proper technique to relay all these things. I was just like, damn, I want to do all these things. Plus, I'm in school, studying law, like really stressed out all the time. And I'm like, okay, I don't have enough time to even practice the things that I know. I'm just like doing everything. But like when I came onto Wallflower, I had a certain maturity that allowed me to really just go in on the music and be like, okay, this is what I want. This is what this should sound like. This is how I should deliver this. And it set me up for like songs like Ice Cream, which was like my quote unquote my big break into the scene. And then that sets me up to like songs like Classic that set me up to enjoy your life. Um, but I think um Wallflower, what that was was just like immaturity. Um, and it was also like a combination of like me experiencing so many things as a young musician, because when I was in school in England for the first time, I was actively going to concerts. I was actively now listening to albums coming out properly by artists that I liked and being able to go and watch them at shows and like being able to see what they were, how they were rolling out their projects. And then I was like, okay, you know, these things that you do are cool. Like, how can I do that in my own little way? Um, for my own little audience and the best part about those times always that there was just no pressure I didn't feel any pressure I was just like man like mm, I'm gonna drop this project I didn't really have like KPIs in terms of like what I considered well to be I was just like I'm gonna drop it you know people are gonna listen you know they're gonna engage with this is cool and then when I dropped it and people started reacting the way that they did you know it was getting on publications people would put it in like top 10 projects of the year like stuff like that I was like wow like this is crazy like you know like <laughs> um yeah like you're an was, artist I was like wow yeah like I was like wow you know like people know me like this is, this is crazy you know like um and stuff like that started happening which is cool so you recording this in uni are you recording these songs like in your room? Are you going to the studio? Um, so I had a setup at, at home in my in my room in my bedroom. Like I had like a mic, I had monitors, which is how I see record. I don't really I don't go to the studio. Like all my projects, my album, the next album I have, everything is recorded in my house. Okay, so even like for Enjoy Your Life, for example, a lot of that was recorded at home. Everything was recorded in my in like my room or like someone else's room. <laughs> I don't think I ever went to the studio. Oh, that's so fire. Are you just like not comfortable in the studio? I just think that studios take planning. Like I have to plan to go to the studio where and the way I am is like I feel when I feel a song I record, I want to be able to record it instantaneously. And then I also always feel bad like when I'm with an engineer and I'm like, okay, I want to do that take again. Um, again again but like when I'm in the comfort of my room I know that I can make as many mistakes as possible I can come back to the song um, the song can continuously grow because I have control okay one of my biggest problems in life I, I want to have control of everything which is impossible but like I'm that kind of person I'm that kind of artist
Yeah, I get it. So at least when you're in that bedroom environment, you can have more control of your surroundings without the stress of I'm I'm under like the clock when you're in the studio. Yeah. Okay, I get you. So I guess in the aftermath of Wallflower, after you've put it out and you're seeing people listen to it, what is what is your biggest takeaway as you're moving forward? Sorry, can you repeat that question? Oh yeah. So like after you've put out Wallflower and you said that now you're seeing people listen to it and you know, you didn't really know, you didn't have KPIs, you didn't know what to expect, but after seeing the reception, <coughs> excuse me, after seeing the reception, what was your biggest takeaway? Um, I think at that time I was still naive and for me, I just really wanted to just keep on putting music out. I wasn't really thinking about how I should drop the music. It became a thing where the most important thing to me was dropping music. Um, I wasn't doing a lot of like thinking in terms of, oh, you know, you should do this. I just knew I wanted to drop music. Um, and then that's when like, I dropped Ice Cream and I dropped Poison and I dropped songs that were doing well. And then I rushed into dropping an another project, um, which was Letters to Her. Um, and the issue with Letters to Her was I had dropped Ice Cream, which was like up-tempo, I dropped Poison, and people were like, okay. And then I dropped Letters to Her, which is a really, really sad project. Um, but I think the importance of that project in my discography is that that was kind of like ending a chapter for me um, of like that just kind of like deep soul alt music. So I think I needed to drop that project for myself. But what I didn't realize is by then, like their eyes on me, their ears on me, and the people are expecting me to go in this specific trajectory. And then I'm doing the opposite of that. Um, and that's when, like, for the first time, I started to see, like, the industry. Because I had then finished university and decided, you know what? I'm going to go to Lagos. I want to see what this Lagos thing is about. I want to try and, like, make my, a name for myself. So now I'm, like, entering the industry, and I, I do a complete 360 and what everyone is expecting so like that then has like a negative impact on my career because everyone's like well we thought this girl had something but like what the hell is this really alt confusing type of music <laughs> uh, and I think like that's just like who I am as a person is like people are like oh we love Nikki Donnelly we love this thing that she's doing and I'll just be like okay fuck it I'm gonna do the opposite thing right now oh <laughs> um, yeah no that's so interesting because I didn't I mean, I never really thought about it like that, but it is true because, okay, so leading up to Letters to Her, you dropped Kasheni, you dropped Ice Cream, and you dropped Poison. And yeah. my favorite thing about that run of singles is that you're basically telling a story through all of them. And yeah. uh, was that on? Was that something that you meant to do intentionally or was it like as you were just recording the songs, the themes kind of fit together? I think I was just in like a growing pain love type of angle where like I was in a relationship that I really loved and cherished but then I was also like growing as a young woman and trying to like find myself my identity so that like I was just like in this angst where I was really just confused <laughs> you know like I'm in my I'm just like 20 I just turned 20 I just finished university uh, didn't really know what the hell I was doing in my life. Didn't really know like what was going on properly. So like that, that those 
themes that were reoccurring were kind of like reoccurring in my own life in different ways. Um, okay. That's kind of like what happened. It's like I'm in love, but like you know, I'm also like confused, and I'm I'm this and I'm that. It's literally just like a twenty year old, a late teenager singing. Like that's when I listen to the songs. That's what it feels like. It just feels like growing pains. You know. Yeah, but it's so interesting how you still translate it across like very different sounds. Yeah. Um, because I think even when Ice Cream dropped, it was. I don't even know. I won't, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but it was a sound that I think caught people off guard still, you and Tommy Thomas. But it also yeah. was like you dropped at the perfect time because I think it was like right before summer and it's like a perfect warm weather yeah. song. And we yeah. were outside like bumping it that year. Yeah. This this weekend. Oh yeah, and then that time when Ice Cream dropped, it got on Complex. Complex put it on like their top twenty songs of the year or some shit. How did and that like, feel? Them times, that was crazy, bro, because them times, nobody, none of us were getting on international blogs and publications. Like, nobody was getting, like, now, you know, see everybody in, like, Fader, Pitchfork. But, yeah. like, when I dropped Ice Cream, nobody was on, like, getting on those. Like, even, like, A-list artists, like, nobody was getting on those things. And, like, here I am studying for my final exams. Um, and then I see an article mentioning me, and then like I open Complex YouTube, and they're like calling, they're like Lady Dawn Lee from Nigeria with ice cream, and I'm like, whoa! And then you know, next thing I know, ice cream has fifty thousand plays on Spotify, bro. I wasn't getting any plays on Spotify ever. Like I, I didn't know what that felt like. Next thing you know, it has two hundred thousand, it's five hundred. I'm like, what the hell is going on, bro? Like. You know, everything, yeah. all I had known then was, was SoundCloud, you know, and on SoundCloud, it has like 30,000, 40,000 plays. I'm like, what the hell is happening? And like Spotify, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like seeing money come from Spotify, bro. I'm like, what the hell? Like $300 for music? Like you can make money from music? Shit. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was crazy. No, but that's so real because as an artist, you know, you, you were even just like a SoundCloud artist at first. So you're just putting music out for free and letting people take it in and then you have this moment and then you can see oh i can actually reap tangible rewards from this yeah yeah it was was very interesting no i think it's really cool though because like you said that was sort of an eye-opening moment even for me as a fan and consumer they're like oh this music from nigeria can really make it to an international stage and yeah it just shows you sort of like what's possible if you also stay true to yourself and your sound. Cause it's not like yeah. you were trying to create a song to cater to anybody. You just did what felt right to you. hundred percent. So 100%. with, um, with what was happening in your relationship at the time, I'm guessing that also played a big role in the sound and the feel of letters to her. I think um for letters to her it was just now a combination of things. It was like that relationship, then navigating new relationships, and then moving to Lagos. I was just sad, bro. Like, I was just sad all the time. <laughs> Literally, when I made letters to her, sounds how I felt in that time in my life. I was sad every like I was sad all the time. Life was hard as hell. Like I think that's like one of like the darkest periods of my life because life was hard um I 
I had obviously moved to Lagos with a lot to prove because, you know, like, I'm telling my family, you know, I'm not going to go to law school. I'm not going to do NYSC. I'm just going to go to Lagos and, like, make this music. So um, I'm asking for no support from my family. And I'm not even confident enough to ask because I feel like I've gone against the grain. Um, everyone knew, like, I was going to do music. It was, like, a known fact. But, like, this time, I'm, like, I'm actually leaving the house to pursue this. So, like, that's a very different energy from, like, what my parents were used to or my dad was used to. So, I'm, like, I'm on my own. I have to fend for myself. I did not have shit. I just went to Lagos with no fucking plan, no place to stay. I'd be sleeping in people's houses for, like, two, two days, hopping around, no money. Like, them times, I'd have, like, 10K in my account, uh, like, literally. It's in my chicken republic. Like, I was, like, in the trenches, um, and then, yeah, so, like, I think when I dropped that project, I was just really sad, like, I was sad about so many different things, and it was just, like, an explosion of, like, sadness, <laughs> um, essentially. You said you rushed the project, so while you're dealing with all of this hardship as you've just moved back, how quickly are you trying to was it like a conscious thing of I also need to put a project out before the end of the year? Yeah, I think so. No, actually, no. What happened with Letters to Her was I, it was a project for Garvey, essentially. So Garvey is this rapper, producer, and he was studying music. And his final year project was like making a project with an artist. And he tweeted, and I was like, yeah, sure, like, let's do it. So I think I was also like rushing because like it was his final year project and he needed to, I he needed to submit it and we needed to put it out as well. Um so like that's kind of like how that came to together. But oh, I wasn't really, really thinking about it. I wasn't thinking about it to do as I would think about my other projects and how like linear they were. I just wanted to just kind of like put it out there. Um and I guess everything works because there's some people who really love Letters to Her. Like for them, for them, that's their favorite Lady Dolly. Like every other thing I've dropped, they hate it, but they love Letters to Her. Oh, wow. I wouldn't yeah, say so. it's my favorite project, but I think it has one of my favorite songs by you still. Um, Candy. Candy? Yeah. You uh -huh. know, I love that song like so, so much. Uh -huh. Just an amazing record. I haven't heard that song in ages. Oh, really? Do you, do you not go back to yeah. the project? Nah, you know, like for the first, I heard like Mr. Creeper like for the first time like a couple of weeks ago. I went through my SoundCloud and I was just listening to some of my old records, like even the ones that like I had made private. And I was like, damn, this was a song, man. Donnie, you were spitting. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but I, I haven't heard. I'm gonna listen to it after this um, interview. I'm gonna listen to Letters to Her for sure. I think. Okay. Do you so? Do you find it easy? I guess to listen because I know there's some artists that can't really go back and listen to old stuff. Um, I, I don't find it hard to be honest I find it hard sometimes because I'm like what the hell like especially my vocals because I like I do vocal classes now like my vocals have really improved and I just hear some stuff and I'm just like what the hell were you doing like I can't believe I sounded like this like I understand why people didn't like my music <laughs> but it's also nice to like listen and just be like damn like there's a lot of growth like I can hear the growth and I'm proud of the growth um so no that's really cool learning curve you know yeah just got to learn from everything. Thanks. 
So when do you feel like you started getting more comfortable in Lagos? So Letters to Her is out. And I think, so 2018, I don't think you dropped a project. You just dropped a couple of singles. But uh-huh. what was your, how did your personal life, I guess, develop in that time? Um, I think I definitely started to know myself more. Like um, when you're in university, a lot of things are clouded by like everything around you. But like for the first time, I was kind of like alone, and I um, I started traveling um, a lot. I my best friend literally saw how Lagos was killing my spirit, and she got me a ticket um, to go to London. Um, and I went to London, and then. I started networking a little bit and then I went to Toronto for the first time. That's when I did a show there. I did a show in Toronto. I did a show in um, New York. I did a show in LA. Um, I did a show in Ottawa. This is the first tour I've ever done. And this is after coming from me doing this living room tour thing in Lagos. So I started living room tour because I was like in any other country, an artist like myself would have been doing tour in like small venues like small bars but that's not available so i just went to people's living rooms and took the show to them and then after that i went on tour in the states a little bit for the first time and just got that experience and that confidence and all of that energy and then i went back to nigeria and then i think that's the period of time i dropped like classic and then yeah. drop cash and the rest of the street. Okay, let's talk living room tour a bit more because that's one of my favorite things you've done in your whole career because we know the lack of infrastructure for performance in, in Nigeria and how the artists just don't have venues, basically. And I thought yeah. it was so, so cool that you said, okay, if I can't bring my fans to a show, I'm going to bring my show to the fans. So how many houses did you perform in? Um, I think four. Okay. And they were like really, I'm guessing intimate shows where people are inviting their friends to come through as well. Yeah. Um, and then we had like one like open one and like a place that wasn't really a living room. Um, where there was like slightly more people. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good experience for me. It was because it was me and the caveman, you know, essentially. And um, that was like the first time that all of us had like just been performing like consistently. Um, yeah, so it was really interesting. It's so crazy that you were performing with the cavemen in like people's living rooms. And then they just did, I think what uh, they opened at O2 Brixton recently. And it's yeah, really cool to also see their their growth and trajectory as artists in their own right. But you yeah, were even the reason I first became aware of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, like, because I met them in Abuja for the first time um, performing at this festival that I was performing at as well. And I was just so captured and inspired by them and I said you know what I'm gonna be in Lagos soon let's keep in touch I got to Lagos I messaged them immediately I'm like what's going on with you guys like where's the music like what's up um and then at that time they're 
weren't really able to record music. So I was like inviting them to the studio. And then I gave them the equipment I had as well. And I was like, yeah, you guys have to drop music. Like, you know, like, let's see how how we can make that happen. Um, sorry, did I just drop off? No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, yeah, I'm like, let's see how we can make that happen. And, you know, we worked on Roots together, the debut, debut album, and the rest is kind of history. That's so amazing. And Shout out to you for even just helping them out to make sure they record music. Yeah, it was, it was, just, it was a fun time because, you know, like, I worked with them on their album. They worked with me a lot in Enjoy Your Life. They were really instrumental in the creation of that project. Um, so, yeah. What did you learn as a performer on the Living Room Tour? Oh, fuck. Sorry, my bad. Someone keeps trying to call me. Let me just That's tell cool. them that. Um, what did I learn as a performer? I think I just all really learned the power of interaction and just like holding your audience. And it's one thing I've realized um, the more I perform and the older I get is a lot of musicians rely on the fact that you have a hit single to capture their audience, right? You know, they're like, you know what? I'm going to sing this song and it's going to get everybody going. But for me, a hit song should be the icing on the cake where you've already performed all these lesser known songs to the audience, but you're able to capture their attention with the songs. And then at the end of the day, you add a hit song onto it. And then that just kind of like gives them the energy, gives them more energy. And it's kind of like a wonderful finale. It's like the cherry on top. Um, and yeah, I think I just learned just the power of like interaction. Like um, I'm just like trying to capture your audience from as early within the show as possible because then you capture them and you just have them and they just keep on growing from there. And I learned down the living room tour and I kind of like transformed it into uh, my actual show when I was like on the road properly. And the thing about performing is that you're constantly le learning, you know, even up to today, like I get on stage, I do a show. I'm like, I tell my band, I'm like, damn, like this is like a three over 10. Next time let's do this. And we add that, we improve. And it's just like constantly improving. The more you perform and you're deliberate, the more you will improve. If you're performing and you're not deliberate, you will not improve. But once you perform and you know, okay, I did this wrong, you work on it, you will improve. It's like every other, it's like anything in life, you know, the more you do it and the more you take tips, the more you will improve. Yeah. And I guess the feedback is also pretty immediate because yep. you can kind of 100%. tell in the moment what's working and what's not working. Yeah. Which was your favorite show to do on the so on the international tour? Um, Toronto, hundred percent. It was between Toronto and New York, but I think Toronto for sure. I think Toronto is like that. Like they really show me love, and it's it's one of the reasons I go back there like every summer. Like I'm I'm in Toronto like every other every other month because the love they showed me then really served as a boost for me. Um, and it just, you know, just showed me that I had something, you know, like, even if I wasn't feeling like that much love at home, like I was away and like people were like coming out to my show, like paying dollars to come and see me and like just giving me so much energy and that was beautiful.
I love that. And that was your first time out there, yeah? Yeah, it was. Now you're like, you damn near a resident. <laughs> All right, so I want to talk about Cash Mummy because that's probably one of your most iconic, if not the most iconic persona. And she was instrumental in the, the buildup to enjoy your life. So yeah. I want to know when Cash Mummy came to life for you. Huh, that's an interesting one. So the way my brain works, it's it's very random. A lot of things are super random. Um, and then I put some intentionality behind them. And the idea of Cash Mom came when I was dropping Suffer, actually. Um, and it was because, you know, I don't know if you remember, when I dropped Suffer, I dropped a skit in the fits. And it was like this Nigerian movie skit where it's like, oh, hey, 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 blah, 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 blah. And I was just talking about this and I was like starring Cash Mommy. And I just like said it. Like it was just meant to be like a thing that's just for the suffer, suffer. And then I drop it. And I'm like, this is actually something that can work, you know. And then I come back to Nigeria because mind you, no one, when all this is happening, when I drop Suffer, Cash, I'm, in, I'm not in Nigeria. I'm in London when I drop cash. I'm in Toronto when I drop so far. So I don't even see what is going on, like the effect I'm causing in Lagos. And I go back to Lagos and everyone is like, cash more me, cash my down. And I'm like, this is so funny because I created that just for the purpose of that skit, but it's like a character that's living. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of embody that in this moment, you know, which is this energy of like this nostalgia, this energy of like hustle, hustling for what you want, energy of like life is short, enjoy it, just making money and just like being a boss. And like, that's what Cash Mommy was. And it was just fundamental in like that sense of community around Nigeria life. Because for me, one of the reasons Nigeria life succeeded so much was because of the community that I managed to, to, to build. Like people really felt like they were part of something. Like when people were there, enjoy your life merch, they felt like, damn, like, I'm like, I'm part of something real. I'm part of this movement. Um, and yeah, like community, you know, like I never overstayed the importance of community and just like building real organic communities. That was really, 2019 was the best year of my life. Like undoubtedly it was the best year of my life. Like I, I, yeah, I reminisce about it constantly. <laughs> the emphasis on community yeah is really important and i remember in real time like after you dropped suffer suffer and then you dropped cash like seeing the impact just through social media and how people were kind of carrying it on their heads and i find it so funny that you weren't even in lagos at the time because i wasn't in lagos at the time but i still knew that they were like playing you in the streets and it was kind of going up and just seeing you be able to embrace that character and be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to embody this. This is who I am for now. And we're just going to rock like that. I think it's really, it's really fun. And it was a fun yeah. time seeing how you were able to, to really carry your community along and seeing the reception that people were having to you in that moment. Yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. Cause I was getting texts. People were like, come back to Lagos, my cash is going up. 
Um, because these times it's on the charts as well. I'm like, whoa, I'm coming back in August, which is after I drop into your life, and then I go back to Lagos and like people are stopping me on the streets, you're like, Dali, Dali, like like don't let's see. like and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like people know me like to the extent that like guys are stopping me on the streets to take pictures, or like I'm outside the club and people are like, just they use me, they play Kona Kona. Can I drop you at home? Are you okay? Like guys are buying me <laughs> drinks. I'm like, what's going on? Like I was in because I was in Lagos, so I didn't expect any of this energy, and like there's just so much energy towards me, and it's crazy. It must be so cool to get that love at home, though. Like just to have people, yeah, was... your own people, embracing you like that. Yeah, even my parents, man. My mom's like, "I was so cash, man. Well done." Like my siblings are calling me. They're like, "My my nephew is writing his his essay, you know, about his famous auntie," and like. They're like hearing me on the radio and getting excited, and it was just really, yeah, it was something. Very affirming, I can imagine. Yeah, it was. It was, it was a good time. From a musical perspective, what was it like putting this album together? Um, so like I've always really loved Nigerian music, um, especially like older Nigerian music. But what I loved most about older Nigerian music was the variety um there was like so much going on you know we had like style plus you know we had like downfall drivers we had tony tatula idris abdul kareem and then you go into like african music in, in the broader sense you had like almost hangari angeli kijo um they were just like you know you have like an asha like there's just so much like when you think about african music and i hated that the industry had turned Afrobeat or like African music or Nigerian music to just mean okay you know this Afropop when like in when I was growing up there was just like so much music like you know when you think about an album like Nice's album which is damn near an R&B an African take on like R&B or like a Nigerian take on R&B like same with like Peace Grant all these guys and then you have like Downfall Drivers you have people like Zule Zoo as well, you know, then you have, like, the more, like, the hip-hop heads, you know, Terry the Rap Man, Ferocious, like, you know, then you have, like, things, the Choxie, there was so much variety, like, for me, there was, like, so much variety, especially someone that grew up listening to cassettes, and, like, and my brother's in the industry, like, there was so much, and then it had come to this thing where it was just, like, okay, if you're not making this, then it's not Nigerian music, it's alternative music, it's alt-heads, this, and it's, like, for Enjoy Your Life, I really just wanted to make an African and Nigerian album, that showed people like there's just so much more to like Nigerian there's so much more to African music and that's like that's what that was my intention you know that's what I set out to do I set out to make a real Nigerian album what I felt was a Nigerian album what I felt was an African album and that's how I approached it like from like the high life influences on like songs like Cash to like the Afrobeat influences on songs like Sofa then you have songs like Kindness, which is like kind of like a jazz song, which has like Afrobeat elements. And then you have like the R&B, Nigerian R&B take on like songs like Answers, like songs like Take Me Home. Like I was just trying to show people like this could, there can be more. If you ask for more, you will receive more. Um, and that, like that was really what I was, I was trying to do in the entire life. I think you definitely accomplished what you set out to do because even from the intro track it's like okay this is not going to be 
the traditional Nigerian album I might be expecting. But then the sounds still feel familiar. And I think what's really important about this album, and it's something that I think is like, it's what the cavemen do for High Life, for example, where it's you're taking older sounds and bringing them and making them relevant for a new generation of consumers and listeners, but also other artists to get influenced by. And I want to know if any artists like kind of reached out to you and were like, oh, I really like, you know, what you did on this or where did you pull this influence from? Did people ever like reach out to you to ask about some of the sounds you use on the album? I think mostly it's just like OG, like old heads and like the industry would just be like, oh man, like I like how you used um, like the intro track. People are like, oh, Zumatan Mata, which is like a popular like um, group in the north, um, which is where the sound of the women in the song is from. And people are like, damn, like I was always always hoping that someone would make an intro out of that and you did and that's crazy. Or, you know, like I like this interpolation that you used here and there. I think people definitely reached out. Um, but like what my frustration was, and what my frustration constantly is with Nigerian music is just this boxing of people um, this in what they think is the altest scene and just being like, okay, you know what? She dropped an album, she dropped an alt classic. And it's like, I dropped in Nigerian classic period. Like, yeah, like I'm, I'm alt in the sense that I belong to the community, but I dropped a Nigerian album. Like I dropped a more Nigerian album a more African album that people, anyone has done, like, in the last five, ten years. And, like, that's on facts. Um, I mean, no, that's real. That's real. Yeah. And, like, that was just kind of, like, my frustration, you know, in, like, spaces where the album was being overlooked. Like, I dropped a classic, like, finish. Like, what I dropped is a Nigerian classic finish. I think, Um, I mean, with the Alte thing, does that ever, well, I guess you kind of just talked about it, but does it ever get frustrating because in some ways you're seen as like the first lady of all time music? Um, I mean, it does get frustrating when people just try to box everything, single thing that you do. Like, like I can make a lit, I can literally make an Afropop song right now. Someone would be like, it's all Yeah. Like, and, and then I'm like, I'm like, what does all even mean to you? What do you guys know that to be? Cause for me, all is just like a community was just a community that like just ex- expressed like that need to be like out of the system. Like for me, it was just subculture, you know? But now like people are like, oh, your music is all 10. It's like, what's that mean? Like, how can you say I, Odunsi, um, Zamir, Santi, um, all these different people, Wavid Creator, how can you say we all do, you, do we all make the same music? Like that's lazy. Like, that's just lazy, bro. Like, someone like Kay's making R and B, you're like, it's all tech. You're like, ladies on me. I'm making fucking African inspired music, and you're like, it's all tech. And like, Tay's music too is all tech. And it's like, so what the fuck? He's making R and B, bro. Like, I would like rather if people even say alternative, because like, okay, so it's alternative to what? Like, pop popular music. So if it's alternative to popular music, but like, who defines popular music? So technically, when um, I'm a piano came, I'm a piano, and then what this constant, what became is I'm a piano version. It's alternative because alternative to Afro pop. So isn't that alternative? So like, yeah. what, like what is alternative to what? Like it's just lazy naming, and it, it frustrates me because the whole point of like 
altar for me was just like not being able to be boxed, not being able to be confined by certain things. And then here you have me being confined. <laughs> it's very frustrating. No, I can imagine just because I see how Altair is used as like a catch-all or a bucket label. So like you said, throw a bunch of different artists that just might not fit someone's conventional image of what a Nigerian artist should look like. And it is yeah. like, can be really reductive at times because it also now makes it harder for, I guess, outsiders to kind of engage with the community and what we've been building in a proper way. Yeah. But anyways, off that, I just wanted to sort of get your opinion on that because I know it's something that has been kind of constant throughout your career as well, especially with the yeah. explosion around Alte on a global on a global level. Yeah. So you drop Enjoy Your Life. You're having the time of your life. The streets are loving it. Uh, you even get David O to remix Cash. Uh, how was that like? How did that feel to have one of the biggest artists in the country basically stamp your work? Um, it was a great moment. As I said, like twenty nineteen, like um, leading into twenty twenty was really a great time for me and an affirming time. Um, because I started to see the world, see what I had seen in myself all this time, which is like I'm fucking dope, like, <laughs> like. And a lot of times when you're the only one that sees that, then it's like, am I really dope? And, you know, it's, it's a lot of, like, imposter syndrome going on. But, like, having just all that validation was great for me. And just seeing people, like, I saw that London show, like, and I, you know, like, was sold out my Lagos show, you know, to the show in Abuja. Like, just, like, all that energy was just, like, what I needed. Um... Because for me, I was like, yeah, like, I have something. Yeah, and it's I always good that. to get that that affirmation and, and that validation from, from the listeners and also your peers. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was good. But then year, okay, so yeah, 2019 is great. And then, of course, 2020 hits and yeah. pandemic hits and everything just grinds to a complete halt and how so how did you kind of cope with that because this is kind of the aftermath where maybe you're supposed to be doing like even more shows and more touring yeah um was I that? was like depressed honestly it was a really rough time 2020 was really rough for me um especially coming off of that high and then just ha finally having my year, like after like grinding out hustling and then I'm on tour. Like I just finished like my UK tour then I'm going to North America. I was meant to do like a show in New York. I was meant to do two New York shows. I was meant to do a show in Seattle. I was meant to do um, South by Southwest. And then I was like, go to LA. Like I had a run. Like I, like we had the year great planned and COVID happened and it just kind of like shut down my life and I was really I, I couldn't it was, it was it was a bad time like I I like I struggle I up to today I still struggle with what could have been um but then at the same time 
I know that the space I had, the rest I had for COVID allowed me to like work on my, my sophomore album properly and just allowed me to fully come into myself. Um, but yeah, it was, it was rough. And even like now, just having that new outlook on it has come as a result of like maturity um, and just like understanding that, you know, Sometimes this is how life is, you know. And now I'm I'm ready to like get back up. I I recently just had that epiphany where I was like, wake up, and um, I'm up. Glad to have you up. I know it it must have been rough just to have to put things on a pause when everything is rolling nicely. But then, like you said, you're still able to extract positives from it and yeah able to just give yourself space and time to continue to develop your your craft yeah in the process yeah. of the pandemic are you still you're still making music though right i made the most music i ever made in my life during the pandemic <laughs> how many songs just like I, roughly do you think you made during the I, pandemic i made at least 50 songs at least Wow. And that's like just recorded at least. I like I you know, up to today I see open my laptop and I'm like, what what is this? And then I'm like, oh, I forgot the song existed. Like that's how many songs I was making. Like I had enough songs to like make like one playlist for like demos, one playlist album, EP, two EPs. Like I had a lot, I made a lot <laughs> of songs. Cause I got a new laptop as well during the pandemic. A new oh, laptop, okay. like some new equipment. So I was like, I was like recording because I had nothing. What else am I doing? That's fair. That's true. I mean, everyone was just in the house. Yeah, I was just at home, working out, recording, learning guitar, sleep. I used to sleep at 7 p.m. Really? I'll work out. Yeah. I'd wake, I used to wake up like 5, 6 a.m. I'd wake up in the morning. I'd have breakfast, then I might record, write a song, then I'd watch the show, make lunch, rest, work out, shower, go to bed, wait, repeat. That's a very disciplined lifestyle. That's, I had like, I used to meditate, I had a whole routine. Um, Was that yeah. something that and you just created to like give you, uh, to bring, because I know those days kind of, would blur it together if you weren't doing anything? Was that just for structure for yourself? Yeah, it was definitely for structure and just to give myself a sense of purpose again. Okay. Because I, I, I didn't feel like I had any. I was, because first couple of weeks in the pandemic, I was literally just, I would wake up, I would have ice cream, I would sleep, I was sleeping. I wasn't seeing, I was just sleeping. Everywhere was blanked out dark because I was like, like, I was really sad. I don't want to say I was depressed, but I was really fucking sad. Like, I was just, like, really sad. <laughs> so I, I was just like, yo, like, I, if I continue like this, I, I don't know if I'll come, be able to come out of, like, the place I'm headed to. I see myself headed to. And I so just, you just have to um, shake yourself up. Yeah, and then just started focusing on things to help myself. Like, I'd work out, so I'd feel, I'd have, like, endorphins, um... Make music, get happy, watch shows. Like I, I watched um, um, what do you call it? Um, oh my god, Lord of the Rings. I watched Lord of the Rings. Oh, I like don't want to say movies? for the first time, but for, 
I watched all of them. You know, I watched all the Godfathers. I watched all the Matrix. Like I said, watching all these classic films, like throwbacks, um, properly again. Like started watching shows. I didn't want. I was just like consuming, consuming. Um, yeah. In the process of all the songs you're recording, so I know you said you had like the different playlists. So did one of those playlists end up becoming wild? Okay, so the thing about Wild is like Wild was never meant to happen. Wild, I had my album that I, I wanted to drop. I thought I was ready to drop. And it just wasn't looking like album time. And I was like, I want to drop something. So I just took out some songs from the album that I really, from what I thought was my album at the time. I took out some songs from what I thought, what I thought would be my album. Um, that I really didn't think we were going to make my album, kind of, and then I made Wild. <laughs> um, so it wasn't really well thought of, but yeah, just a very spontaneous project. Life. It was yeah, it was it was like because I was working towards dropping my album, and then it was like I, you can't really drop your album now because of finances and like just you know how the industry works, just so many other things. So I was like, yeah, I want to drop an EP. Now let me try and drop an EP. I dropped that and yeah, that didn't go as expected. What do you um, mean when you say it didn't go as expected? It didn't go as expected in terms of like the reception because this is the issue I always have. It's like people are coming off of that high of enjoy your life and what do they want? They want enjoy your life 2.0. So True. you give them something else, which is like this R&B type projects and they're just like, oh, this is not what we asked you for Lady Zombie. We won't we won't corner again and we won't cash and won't take me home. And I'm like, you're not getting any of that. I mean, I feel like in my album, my next album, you would hear elements of enjoy your life worked on to grow into like this new ecosystem. And I think it would be more easy on my listeners. Um, sort of. <laughs> but like with Wad, it was just like, what is this? Like this is not what we asked you for. So that's the issue. I get it. And it's funny because the project was also in response to people asking, where is Lady Donnelly? For those who don't know what WILD stands for. And yeah, you're, on, exactly. you're on hiatus at the time. So yeah. he, that was like your comeback to sort of feed your people. And then it's like, wait, this is not what we were expecting. Yeah, exactly. But really good project. Like, yeah, I love that project. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I love, I love Wild. I love Wild. That probably yeah. might be my favorite project. From like, I love Wild in terms of the EPs. Yeah, it was like, such a yeah. fun project. It was, yeah, it was so fun. Like, just, exactly. Fun project, so. You could listen to it. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. She's having fun just making music, and it was, it's great. Like, yeah, your energy is just great on that project for real. Yeah, I was just having fun, but um, yeah, maybe wrong timing. Yeah, I guess. So uh, you're working on your next album now. Yeah. Um, you've still been releasing music. So this year you dropped Thunderstorm and Surulere. Yeah. Uh, your first official release with your band, The Legacy Panic. Yeah. And you did Colors. Oh, yeah, yeah that happened too. <laughs> yeah, you did Colors. So let's talk. Let's talk Thunderstorm and Surulari as a track and then the experience of doing colors. Um, Thunderstorm and Surulari is a love song. You know, it's just about 
trying to get to the person that you love um, the most when it's raining. Um, and I initially wrote that song in Toronto, actually. And it was called Thunderstorm in Toronto. And then I just kind of like, I like adapted it essentially for like Nigeria, for the Nigerian context. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just a sweet song for me. It's like a love song. It's like really intense. Like the way the beat is, it just it feels like it would be a good soundtrack um, for a film. Cause like I was envisioning myself literally like picking up my car keys. Cause like I, I'm like, damn, it's about to rain. And I want to really spend this, this rain, this thunderstorm. I want to spend it with, you know, this person that I really love and just like journeying to them. Um, so yeah, just like a free flowing record. Benji Flow sends it to me, the beat. And I recorded, I recorded, this was during lockdown. I recorded the song on lockdown as well. Um, as yeah, it's most songs. So I got in lockdown and I finished it a bit later. And I sent Colors a playlist of like three records and they wanted me to perform that one. Um, I was meant to do Colors like a year ago. In fact, I was meant to do Colors in 20, the year of COVID. That's when oh, he first wow. invited me. Um, but I wasn't able, obviously traveling was not possible. So as soon as like they released, um, they relaxed the borders, then I went. So I, I, I actually recorded that in September and then it dropped in January. Okay. That's so cool that you even had the Colors invitation. Like what song do you think you would have performed if not for COVID? I think I would have like done like searching or something. Oh, that would have been good too. I think, yeah, I would have performed like searching, but like by the time um, I eventually went, like searching was out. So they're like, okay, but they do this and yeah. Um, so that's basically what happened. Uh, but yeah, that was that was cool. Like the the team is really lovely and experiencing that after the long wait was felt super surreal to be there in the studio recording that because like, I went to Berlin for that um, which is also really good I went right after my 25th birthday so it felt like also like an extended birthday present for me oh that's fire um, yeah it was, it, was, it was a beautiful time and it's one of those moments I'm really grateful for um, exposed me to a lot of new people and new audiences and yeah that's great. Was it like an out of body type of thing when you were actually recording, and it's like, oh, I'm in the color studio. 100%. Just because you watched but, it. Okay, so my many biggest times. problem. My issue with that performance is I was sick, so oh. I, I had a cold. I had a really bad cold, and I was just like, why the fuck is this when I'm finally going to Berlin that I fall sick now? So, like, I would record, and they would just, like, give me, like, tea in the middle of my performance. And I was like, damn, thanks, guys. Okay, let's do that again. So that was really, really frustrated me. Um, but other than that, I mean, I guess that was going to happen. But it was good. I had fun. I tried my best, you know. And no, you still, I... you still knocked it out. But, yeah, that's yeah, rough, having yeah. a cold, like, of all times. It was so, it was so annoying. Like, I had a, like, I had a, I, in fact, I gave so many people the cough. <laughs> I was uh, like, oh, my friends feel sick. Um, but it wasn't COVID, it was literally just the flu, and I felt so bad. But, um, yeah. Um, so now that 
because you've been teasing more. You dropped Soft Life recently, um, what, end of August? And you've been teasing Hello Lady. So what oh, can yeah. you tell us about what's coming up? Like, what can we expect from Lady Dawn Lee? Um, what can you expect from Lady Dawn Lee? Like, I mean, I'm, honestly, I started rolling out my album. Well, I've not started, but I'm about to start rolling out my album, my, my sophomore. And I'm really just excited about that because I think for the past year, I've just been so down about what I didn't have. So I forgot to focus on what I have. And what I have is my mind and my ability to create experiences. Um, and I'm just about to create a, a really intense and a really insane experience for Hello Lady, um, which is dropping in November. Um, I don't know when this is coming out, but like, the record will be, <laughs> I'm gonna be out in November. Um, and people should just expect like, you know, like some old Lady Donnelly with some new era confidence, because when I say old ladies only, I'm talking about in terms of rolling out. It's like the rollout's going to be really intense. <laughs> going to be a long campaign um, before I, like I reach my that. album. Um, we're going to be doing stuff every other week. It's going to be really intense. And yeah, I feel like this record is a hit. And um, yeah, like it's a hit. It's a hit song. <laughs> like I've, I've worked in this song for three years. Um you worked I, on the song for three years. Yeah, essentially, like I almost three years. Like the first version of the record I recorded um in twenty twenty. Um, it's twenty twenty two now. Okay, so I recorded it in like maybe March twenty twenty, and I've worked on it over this time with three different producers. The beat has changed so much. I I've re-recorded it like three times. Um, to the to the point now where I have the version that I heard in my head the version I needed and um, I'm really excited I haven't been as excited about a song in a while and the way that I approach the releases people are going to know I'm excited about it I'm getting excited hearing you talk about it yeah I'm like yeah I'm excited so okay we should expect a very long intense album campaign but that's the kind of, that I yeah. like because only yeah. God knows what kind of tricks you have up your sleeves yeah, it's, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really stressed. I'm really tired because, like, this month, there's just been a lot of planning, and I'm, I'm, I'm worried about execution and being able to execute properly. But um, I'm excited. You should be. You should be. So y'all heard her here first. Hello, lady is coming in November. This is dropping. Yeah. I don't know the exact date, but it's dropping like first week of November. So it won't be out yet. But stay tuned because yeah. Lady Donnelly yeah. is coming. Yes, sir. Are you coming? You have yeah. lived, um, you've lived a bunch of musical lives, basically. You've had different eras, you've had different personas. How do you know when one era is finished and when it's time to, to move on to the next one? I just feel it like. My spirit just tells me that this is new. Like I just feel like new energy in myself. Like I feel a new confidence. Um, my my dressing, red dress changes. Like when I was when I first dropped into like this red dress, and like now I look at pictures and I'm like, oh, what the fuck was I wearing? 
like the way I dress changes, like the way I approach life changes. Um, and I just kind of like feel it. Like I don't like right now. I don't feel like cash money. Like I just don't feel like that person anymore. Who I feel like I don't know. I just feel like the Pan African rock star fully. Like that's where I'm at. I feel like all my personas have morphed and they have just created the Pan African rock star. And that's who I am. That's what I am. And that's where like I am in my life mentally. So, like, so we're firmly in Pan African rock star mode. Hundred percent. All right, I'm fucking with it. That's great. That's where I'm at. And I have to ask, because you are someone who I've been able to come to advice for on different things pertaining to music and the industry, just because you've learned so much on your own journey. So I have to ask, what advice would you have for any independent artists that are listening to this and that are doing their best to navigate this crazy, crazy industry? Um, I feel like the best advice I've given anyone is the same advice I gave myself earlier this year is like, just use what you have, man. Like a lot of times, like people, they just like get wrapped up in the idea of, you know what, to get to this place, I need this, to get to that place, I need this. But like, what do you have? And like, what can you use? Like, and just use that, like use that and it will get you somewhere. It might not be necessarily where you want to be, but you get one step closer to where you want to be and you just keep growing, man. Like, not every journey is linear. Like, there's upstairs, downs, there's midpoints. Like, I've had so many lows and I've had, like, so many highs, too. And that's just what it is with music. It's, like, highs and lows, ups and downs, middle points. Like, but what's important is that you keep on going, man. And to keep on going, you need to just know that wherever you're at, just work with it. Like, what you have, just work with it. You You don't have any money, work with that, like, Go inside your creative self and think, you know, what can I do with this small budget? Like, to still make some sort of an impact, man. And that's just what it is. Like, and that's just where I'm at right now. I'm just like, bro, like, if I, if I don't have money, if I have money, whatever. I'm going to just think, like, Donnie, like, what the hell can you do? You know? Like, how can we work? And that's just, that's just where I'm at. And that's the advice I give everybody around me constantly. Like, just use what you have, man. Use your network. Use your community. Like, build communities and just keep them moving definitely that's i think really great advice do the best you can with what you have and yeah also tap into the communities and networks around you because there are a lot of people that have different skills and things that can be applied to help you in your creative career and your creative journey and i know you've met probably lots of people along the way that have been able to help you in one way or another even just not from like a music perspective but helping you do other things related to putting out your projects navigating the industry side so yeah yeah. 100 percent, man i like i feel like a lot of people are scared to reach out to people because you know just get a rejection but man rejection is part of like success Every great success story can tell you about 10 or 15 times you got rejected. You just have to keep putting yourself out there even when it hurts because to get to where you need to get to, there's going to be a lot of pain, but like that's just a journey. That's life. Uh, just keep moving. That's true. Rejection hurts, but it doesn't kill. Like The worst they can do is tell yeah. you no or they'll air you and then, you know, on to the next. When you find the person you, that's like, rejection ready to help you. Me. Oh, it does? Are you the type of person where it's... 
Are you the type of person like, where it's like, I'm going to make you regret that? 100%, bro. I'm like, fuck that. Like, <laughs> I'm going to get here and you're going to regret this shit. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm that kind of person. I know it's petty, but like, it keeps me going. No, I mean, it is petty, but it's also like, you need those things to motivate you. Because I've also been in situations where it's like, oh, okay, you are going to reject me. Like, don't worry. Like, we'll, we'll meet each other down the road, basically. Yeah, That's literally. Of, I'll yeah. see you at- yeah, yeah, tough man. Like, don't kidding me. Yeah. So, you know, it's good to also have that fire, like motivate yourself, inspire yourself. Um, there's so many different places you can pull inspiration from. Like, your mind is one of the greatest tools you have. And I think you, uh, Lady Donnelly, are someone that's living proof of that, that your mind is like an endless, an endless source of creativity and resources and ideas and you just have to sort of tap in and figure out the best way to execute yeah for sure thank you thank you so much no it's my pleasure um so can you give us a a time frame on when we might expect the album Uh you're asking me for much set you're asking me i know i know if you just give me like a little time frame like next year you think is that it's it's definitely here, but I, I honestly don't even know where like personally. Okay, I don't no even worries. know. I just no I just worries. know it's next year. I feel like if y'all want the album, if y'all want the album, then like you stream the fuck out of Hello Lady. And okay. you know, you show me the love and then the album come out. The album comes out easy. That's real. So you guys heard it. We gotta stream Hello Lady when it drops and we're gonna get this album. But un- until then, we just know twenty twenty three. We're gonna keep it like that. Yeah, 100%. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a really fun, a really enlightening conversation. I've learned a bunch. It's always great to talk to you. I know we haven't even like caught up or anything in a while. So this was really good to just have this conversation and deep dive into your journey, into your music, and just into you as a person. Thank you for being open and honest and sharing so much with us. Blessings, man. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking and I love it because, especially here, because like you've done your research and it's really refreshing to be in a conversation where like people actually know the history and like know what the fuck they're talking about. So thank you for doing your research um, and for having me, man. Like, yeah, I'm excited. That's my, I gotta come correct, you know, I'm not dealing with some amateurs here. I'm <laughs> dealing with, you know, serious artists. So I have to come correct as well. But yeah, it's my pleasure. We'll definitely have to do this some other time. Um, We'll be looking out for Hello Lady. And yeah, thank you again for, for bridging the gap with us. Blessings. Thanks for having me, bro.